Anyway, uh, welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night Five Dynasty, Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast on the Going for Two Live Network. Please make sure if you're listening to the Going for Two Live podcast feed audio that you subscribe, follow, rate, review, and all that jazz. And if you're watching here on the video side uh, on YouTube, etc., do all the other algorithm feeding things like comment, subscribe, little bells, and uh, all that jazz i'm brian ford here with my co-host as always josh walker josh how you doing uh i'm a little under the weather today but i'm still excited to talk about some rookies a little more especially as we dive into it a little further and get start trying to predict the future and tell myself what's going to happen so i can be ready all right yes well uh we are going to to do the uh the biff um oh fuck what was his last name in back to the future biff he went and I remember Back to the Future 2, he had the sports almanac and won all the money because he bet because he knew what was – Anyway. I can't think hey, of it. Yeah, so uh, that's what tonight's gonna uh, we're going to be doing. We're going to sort of be completing the sentence of at this time in 2025, dot, 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 right? So we're, we're looking into uh, the future as only we can. For those of you who don't remember or are new to the show, uh, we, we talk about Dynasty Fantasy Football, but we use lists of five as sort of the the vehicle, the entry point into talking about the topic that we want to talk about. And I've done episodes like this on podcasts before, and they're fun. And they're fun to go back and look like what we got right and and what we got wrong. Anything in particular that you were looking into when you were choosing these takes or, uh, you know, did you want them to be hot takey? Did you want them to be something that you can act on fairly soon? Anything on your mind as you're going through these? Um, a lot of them are kind of, even though I might specify on a few players, they're a lot more bigger picture than I expected, more like team landscapes, uh, culture shifts in the NFL, and like how personnels are going to be used, especially when it comes to running backs. I'm uh, just trying to get ahead for that so I can go ahead and start making some moves, and if that happens, I can be ahead of the curve. Yeah, but on. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of went with went with the same thing there. I, I was struggling there for a little bit, and then it started coming to me one uh, like one after the other pretty pretty quickly and uh yeah you know some of them are positional some of them are like you know big picture some of them are are based on particular players and uh and we'll see how it goes but before we do we've got to pay the bills this episode is brought to you by underdog fantasy football they have it all player pickums dfs best ball and football best ball is already back underway on underdog the big board and little board are uh, are underway I am involved in both of those. Going to be paying some rake for my uh, league mates so they can win uh, all all the money. They have other major sports uh, besides football, uh, baseball, hockey, basketball, golf, all that jazz. Although I don't know that some of those qualify as major sports. Uh, <laughs> in my um, I don't, People must be getting tired of hearing that joke. All right. Uh, so sign up with our promo code GF2 uh, at Underdog. If you are a new account, on your first deposit with underdog up to a hundred dollars of that first deposit will be matched by uh josh norris himself actually out of his own pocket uh uh and you can use the promo code gf2 to do that 
Go to the app, go to underdog.com. Use the promo code GF2. If you're watching here on the video side, we have a nice shiny QR code for you to scan and follow. Hit up underdog, deposit some money, get 100 matched, start playing, maybe start winning, especially if you're in a league with me where I just kind of just spend my money because I'm an addict and uh, I just need the next fix. All right. So, uh, I, you know, you're younger than I am by a good like 10-ish years. Do you remember, have you seen videos of like the old Conan O'Brien stuff from the 90s? They used to have this bit and it was called in the year 2000. Like it would be like these, you know, humorous predictions about the future. The year 2000. No, you don't. No, no uh, I, I, remember, I remember the old Conan O'Brien, but I don't remember that particular like little skit or series they did. Okay. Well, we're doing that version of it, except it's the year 2025. So Josh. Kick us off with your first look into the future. All right. So my first one, I'm kind of just going to piggyback on a point I made last week. Um, and this is me trying just for fun, just to predict the top five wide receivers uh, after next season. And I have it in 2025. The top five wide receivers will be in maybe not in this order, but Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb. And the two added in there were Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. Uh, and that's just more me highlighting that I think Malik Neighbors is any other draft class. I think he's easily the first wide receiver to go off the board. And I, the more I look into it and the more data you kind of look into, he's he could be just as good, if not better, than Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's it's a really exciting class if you have a top five pick. Like 105, you're sitting there looking at either getting Brock Bowers or Malik Neighbors or maybe even Jaden Daniels. So it's a really good class. I'm excited. All the leagues I have it. So I think those two are going to come in and just change the wide receiver landscape. And then also Luther Burden and next year will also be someone else to come in. So because I almost added him as one for mm. 2025. But all right, yeah, um, I, I love it. Yeah, in fact, you know, um, there's a lot of folks, including myself, who are uh, starting to kind of say, you know. MHJ and neighbors are really close, if not even, and like a Dunze might be in that tier of his own. If if a Dunze is even your three, which I, I know you don't necessarily have him that way, um, yeah. And so you know what, I might as well just piggyback on that and go with my first one, and that is uh, at this time in 2025, you're going to want Malik Neighbors, or Malik Neighbors will be valued higher, ranked higher than Marvin Harrison Jr. But the the sort of addendum to that is that by 2026, you'll want Marvin Harrison. Now, why am I saying this? Um, I think all things considered, uh, looking at the way the NFL is played today, looking at the skill sets that these guys have, <clears throat> Malik Neighbors, I think, is, I don't want to say more pro-ready because that seems like it's an insult to, to Marvin Harrison. He's, he's fine. He's excellent. He's, he's pro-ready. I think Malik Neighbors, the way that he plays and the skill set that he has um, you know, assuming both get good capital and good landing spot is set up to succeed year one better than Marvin Harrison will. And people will react to that and, and, and re-rank them sort of the way that we've taken rookies and take and put them on top of JSN, you know, uh, I think probably by year two or three of their careers, they're going to be even if not Marvin Harrison a, a, above, because I, I just think he, he could really be that special. Um, 
not that neighbors couldn't, but uh, yeah. So that's kind of my first look into the future, kind of piggybacking off of yours, uh, that people are going to be, a lot of people will be, you know, valuing uh, neighbors higher than, than MHJ. I can see that. And that kind of goes into the point of landing spot. Cause I've seen some mocks where not so much Harrison, but Malik neighbors goes to like the Patriots and you don't know what's going to happen on draft day. So there could be some teams that kind of like JSN going to the Seahawks where it might take a year or two for it to fully develop, but it will be good. Absolutely. Yeah. Like for example, I'm sorry, just what if Marvin Harrison goes to the Patriots, right? Yeah. And, and if they're not going to pick a quarterback at three or don't trade the pick, Right. And I don't know. Are they like I personally think, you know, with the right coaching, Mac Jones will be fine. He can be a floor yeah. quarterback, you know, nothing special. But like if, if they pick Marvin Harrison. Right. And the team's not really ready for a blue chip quarterback yet. And, you know, the quarterback is, you know, I don't know, some like Jimmy Garoppolo level quarterback, you know, that they're um, then, you know, yeah, I think I think it's going to be neighbors year one. So, yeah, it's an important yeah. point. All right. Um, my next one, I'm going to kind of, this is the one, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly. I think I might try and figure out a way to turn this into an article at some point, but I think the dynasty running back landscape is shifting. And uh, I put in the notes that it's still going to be fucked, but I don't think, I think that was a little dramatic. I just think it's kind of shifting to where you look at the veterans like Joe Mixon, Derek Henry, these guys just relied on volume, whether they weren't, you know, outside of Henry, but like Mixon, Aaron Jones, they were just volume plays. They're even starting to get eaten into by younger players, and I just think there's a shift coming where it's going to be more running back by committees. But I don't think that's going to bury people because Jameer Gibbs is still very valuable, but he's obviously, you know, it's a 1A, 1B with that team. I think the Seahawks are kind of shifting that way with Walker and Charbonnet. Mm. And I even Bijan, I – the new coach will probably give him 60, 70%, but I don't, I think the years of the bell cow backs are done. Mm-hmm. I think it's just cheaper to keep a few younger guys. And I think that's the best way to attack that in the short term is use these veterans while you can, like get Aaron Jones in the 10th round, Joe Mixon, use them for a year or two. And then I don't know. I think it's just going to be kind of what teams goes where and landing spot mattering a lot for that. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just don't think see too many backs getting over 70% of the running anymore. I think it just, they get hurt. I don't think teams just want to invest like in a running back like that anyway. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. We we've talked about it several times, you know, uh, the changing landscape of the running back in the NFL and how to approach that in, in dynasty. And I don't know that that's going to, a lot of things change quickly. Like the NFL changes quicker than sometimes we think. Um, and certainly dynasty has become very reactive and quicker to change just in the short, like five years I've been playing. Um, and so, it, you know, but I still think in a year from now, this type of trend will, will, will still be continuing. And, and yeah, uh, you know, and I, so I'll piggyback off of that and do my, my next one, which is, you know, essentially kind of the same thing, maybe just with like more specificity. And that is that there will be no more than two running backs in the top 24 in Superflex ADP uh, startups, but older running backs will lose less value. So what do I mean by both of those? I think the first part we kind of already know we we've talked about it. It's basically, you know, based on what you just said too. Uh, you know, it's going to be in the top 24, a guy like Bijan and Gibbs or a guy like, you know, Brees and Gibbs, something like that, you know, and then that that's it for the top 24. 
because of a few things, not only the changes in the NFL, huge influx in um, rookie wide receiver talent, right? Obviously, blue chip wide receivers already valued super high. Guys like J.J. Chase, Lamb, uh, A.J. Brown, Amon Ra, uh, um, uh, Puka, you know, Garrett Wilson. Like, they're already, like, really expensive and not really going to lose much, if any, value in, in a year, right? And so then, then you're going to add Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, you know, Brian Tom, right? It's just why would you be, you know, like now there could be a situation where people are like, well, now there's a glut of wide receivers and maybe I can wait and I could be wrong, but I still think that's going to hold. The addendum to that, the older running backs losing less value, I think is more about the the influx of 2024 rookie RBs not being very good. I, now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I've said several times, it's not a bad class. It's just flat at the top and the top isn't as high as top backs have been in the past. So that means for me, if you, if you take like a usual bust rate and apply it to this class and then already knowing the top is lower, right? A guy like Aaron Jones, you know, or uh, a Tony Pollard, right? I think if NFL teams say, um, you know, if I give this guy this level of like 1B or 2A touches, he'll be fine. And I think compar- comparatively speaking, dynasty managers might do the same thing. For example, what if Tony Pollard, <clears throat> who says that he was only uh, really feeling himself uh, starting in week 10 of this year, the, the Carolina game, what if he has a, a, a pretty good bounce back year, right? It, it is not unlikely, in my perspective, that you will value uh, Tony Pollard more than, say, uh, I don't want to choose your boy because I'll upset you, but Marshawn Lloyd, right? Like, it's very possible that at this point in 2025, Marshawn Lloyd didn't do well his rookie year. Tony Pollard bounced back, and Tony Pollard is going uh, to be higher in startups, and therefore the older running backs lose less value. Just an example. Yeah, I- I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I think, I think what will be interesting is the class next year should be a little bit heavier on running back. So I just kind of wonder how that's going to change things. But I think, I think it is just better if you just try and go ahead and get ahead of that trend. And if you don't, it's not that hard to readjust. Like absolutely, yeah, because you can pivot if Mm -hmm. you miss. You can pivot to the Jaden Blues and the um, Quinchon Jenkins and Travion Hendrickson yep. that are co- that are coming out next year. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and talk about my other running back one. And uh, it, it's about Ty J Spears and how, while I do think there is a committee like coming and I think he might be a part of one, I still think there's value in guys that are efficient through the tackles and catching the ball, kind of like Jameer Gibbs, James Cook improved this year. And Ty J Spears, I think it does leave him on the field in crucial downs, like towards the fourth quarter. He's probably not going to come off the field because he's not a liability. So while like in he's getting a lot of the in baseball reference, the uh, high leverage touches, which is like he's not a closer, but he's going to come in and face the best people. And I think guys like that are going to cement themselves to be on the field when their team really needs them. And that will lead to more touches. And I just think Ty J Spears in the perfect spot. I think Derrick Henry, he's probably going to move on. They got a new coach, so it might be a more pass-heavy uh, scheme, not running the ball so much, and I think that's just going to play into his favor. 
and he's already in some mocks going round six. So I have it that where he's going to be in 2025, a round three to five pick consistently and could even push up higher, but I'm not sure he'll get the volume to do that. Yeah. Love it. I mean, you know how much I love Spears uh, before the NFL draft last year, I said like he could be in, in a, a, he has the ability to be a one a, but a one a in a way that is sort of like, like Pollard's touches were when he was the one B, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those types of touches. Right. And now we're seeing that that could be very possible. I think, I think they'll bring in a thumper, right? Yeah. I, I like Hassan Haskins probably isn't that guy. And he was on the uh, commissioner's uh, like whatever, like you can't play list last year and that sort of thing. Plus he was injured. You know, they have, um, oh gosh, brain fart. Julius Chestnut, you know, a lot of people were kind of, you know, keen on him, but he didn't really, you know, uh, show anything. So yeah, they'll probably, you know, either through free agency or the draft, you know, bring in a guy for those for, for those tougher touches. But yeah, you know, I, I think I, I do think Spears is maybe a li- getting a little steamed at the moment, yeah. especially at this point in the year. And he's a running back, you know, uh, like I've seen him as like dynasty wide receiver, um, running back 12, 13 and. Like I have him at 17, so I'm not too far off, but he like just hit 17, like the last couple days. And it's, and that's, and that's a tier for me. That's a tier below the the type of value that, that he's being talked about now. Um, people are just assuming, all right, Henry's gone and he's going to be the guy. And that's true ish. I just think, you know, it's, it's important to think about the fact that Will Levis isn't a great quarterback and may not move the offense that well. And although I really, you know, there's nothing really bad to say about the the new coach and, and, and offense and all that. Just, But it's not, you know, something where someone was like, oh, they landed a great, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I think things will improve there. They'll improve the offensive line. Yeah, I, I'll, I, I would love to, you know, uh, hold on to my Spears shares and see and either through production or trade value like in a year, I think. Yeah totally on board with that absolutely all right um let's do let's do a quarterback uh take um at this point in 2025 you will still you should already you will still want anthony richardson more than any of the big three quarterbacks in this class so um this is both a Richardson take and a, those three quarterbacks take. Um, you know how I, you know how I feel about Richardson. I, be, I feel that in a, you know, albeit small sample size, showed proof of concept about how productive in fantasy he could be. You know, uh, in like the six quarters or whatever that he that yeah. he played, like he was he he was averaging like I think if you extrapolate it, like something like thirty fantasy points a game, right? Um, and so I I I think you know. I might even be low on him having him at quarterback eight right now, uh, just because he's been out of sight, out of mind. Like, I think he's about to perhaps break fantasy. Right. And now we pivot to these four, to these 2024 quarterbacks. There's been a lot of like, you know, sharper people than I am pointing out, you know, uh, smaller things about like Drake May's game, you know, that like, I wouldn't have seen if I didn't like watch them watch film and, and yeah. show it to me, you know? Um, I, I just think that's obviously Richardson's ceiling is just huge anyway, compared to these guys. Uh, Jaden Daniels also has warts. I don't like, 
I like him, but I'm not as excited about his his dual threat ability as I was about Richardson last year. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, Caleb, I still think he's quarterback one. I still think he's got, he's got a huge ceiling, but he's got a wide range of outcomes. And I would not be surprised if, especially if he's on a team that doesn't have a great offensive line or something like that, or like, you know, has to start right away. So that bad stuff that he puts on tape where he's like, you know, throwing those throws that he's not going to get away with in the pros and things like that, like that he, you know, he's quarterback 16 on underdog best ball right now. You know what I mean? So like it's going to, it's going to rise, right? Cause he's going to get drafted. He's going to be number one overall. Right. But you know, I don't know at the end of the season, I don't think he's going to have an impressive enough rookie year. And I think Richardson's going to have an impressive enough sophomore year that you're going to want Richardson more than any of these three quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I really like Richardson. I think what we saw shows that he's not he's not going to kill the fantasy options on his team too. Like he threw to Pittman, he threw to Downs. Taylor's still going to get the ball, especially with Shane Steik in there. I think it's everybody's going to look better with him playing. And I saw, like I said, I've been doing a few mocks, and there's some where he slips into the early second round, and I think that's an absolute steal getting him there this year. So I agree. He's now's a I, like now gives a pretty good buy window for him too. While before he starts playing for the hype, really starts racking back up. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. I think I'm, you know, if I ever get time to actually manage my own dynasty leagues instead of researching rookies and then talking about dynasty, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I I I'm gonna gonna try to acquire more 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 yeah. AR for sure. Yeah. I went uh, I went through and muted most of my dynasty leagues because I just because baseball starting I'm starting some drafts for that and I just I just need to need a break from sleeper for a little bit and I'm doing the rookie stuff so I'm not just giving up on it but yeah I'm enjoying the time off a little bit of dynasty hibernation <laughs> yeah all right so my last two are quarterbacks one's for fun so I'm gonna save that for last uh, so this one. I think in 2025, C.J. Stroud will be the first quarterback taken off the board, and I think most of that is due to his age and Josh Allen and Mahomes getting a little older. And the fact that I don't see anything that C.J. Stroud excelled at, I don't see that falling off. I don't think any of it was a fluke. I don't think regression is just going to come in and just punch him in the face. So I don't see why he couldn't replicate again what he did this year and hopefully improve because he's still a young quarterback. And I think they got the right coaching staff around to make sure he's got the weapons and he's going to have a say in who they draft to make him better because he's a big proponent for Tank Dell. They went out and got Tank Dell before some teams said they should. It's smart. So I think the Texans are in a really good spot. I think they're going to be a playoff contender for years to come, and I think it's going to be because of him because I don't have his age right here. I think he's 22, 23. And there's no yeah. massive holes in his game. So I think he's just going to improve with the right coaching staff. And Slowick's still there. Yeah, I think – I mean, all it takes is the Chiefs going to get in one receiver this year to keep Mahomes at number one. But I think – I don't think you're wrong if you want to take C.J. Stroud first. Yeah, you know, I don't know. This one I'm a little torn about. Like, I can totally see the path, right? You're right. Like what Stroud does well, it's not like he needs his legs to produce what he's producing. So, you know, there's that. There's already Tank and Nico there. They might add a run game, which would, you know, improve the offense. I just, you know, it. Just, I guess for me it just depends on like 
how many guys is he leaping over for you? And what do you think those guys are going to do? You know, like, so for example, I'm probably lower than consensus on him because I have him at six. Uh, I have him uh, below Burrow, right? So he's got to jump over like Titans, right? Like Burrow, Hertz, Lamar, Allen, Mahomes. Like, that's asking a lot. But like, if you already have him at like three or four, then I don't know that that's asking a lot, right? You know? Yeah, I see it. I- I did a mock and I picked third just to see what I would do. And I picked Stroud. So therefore I moved him up in my rankings, just given his age. And there's some question marks around the other people. I mean, Lamar's won the MVP, but he also has a little bit of variance in what the outcomes of his, uh, his results, injuries, you know, Burroughs not, I'm sure he's going to be healthy next year, but there's just some question marks and I don't have any question marks with CJ Stroud and he's a few years younger. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, yeah, certainly one that, like, I might bet against if I had to, but, like, wouldn't bet a lot of as much money as I might <laughs> bet against other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, uh, let's see. I got I got two more and then a bonus one for folks because it's rookie season, so I, I cheated. Um, so feel free to come up with a with a with a bonus rookie take if you want as as we're doing this. Um, I want to talk about tight ends. So by this time in 2025, um, we will be asking if the abundance of tight ends has changed the positional landscape. There, It's no longer a wasteland. And therefore the value that's scarcity driven will not be there and people will wait more. And the first like two or three tight ends will also be taken later, even in a tight end premium. Right. So if I'm looking at the, I mean, I think we all know about the influx of young tight ends over the last couple of years. Right. If I'm looking at tight ends and I'm saying Andrews, McBride, Laporta, Pitts, Kincaid, Kelsey, Kittle, Hawk, Mayer, Goddard, Najoku, Ingram. That's that I mean, that's 12 right there, you know, that that you're probably gonna feel pretty safe with, right? Like you might even feel safe with Jake Ferguson or Luke Musgrave as your as your as your tight end one, right? Um so so now I don't think there's the motivation to like, ah, I gotta grab one of like the two or three elite guys in the first two rounds. And I also don't think there's a motivation of oh, shoot, it's round seven. I don't have a tight end yet. Let me reach on Goddard, right? I just don't think that's going to happen because, you know, a couple of the guys above Goddard will have fallen and there's no need to reach for Goddard. See what I'm saying? So, like, a mix of all these factors is that I think tight end is is already starting to look different, right? And I think by this time next year, we're going to say, yeah, there's a bunch of solid tight ends. and, and, And if it's, like, you know, especially, like, a small premium, like, yeah, like they're not they're the the value that's driven by scarcity just is not um is not what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, I meant to bring up I think cuz I don't really play in hardly any leagues anymore that are not tight end premium and I think mm-hmm. that being becoming more popular and the tight end position just becoming more popular. I think to your point earlier I meant to mention this is going to also push some running backs out of early rounds cuz I'm seeing the Porter go round 2 now. Uh Bowers if Bowers comes in has 800 
to a thousand yards. He's going to get pushed up like Pitts was. Yeah, I forgot to even mention like Bowers or Tavian Sanders. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Pitts, you know, with a new coach, I think he's going to get back to what we expected from him at least a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I think that position is just going to change, and the rules that are get, becoming more popular are going to kind of change how drafts go. Yeah, right now. All right, my last one's kind of for fun, and this is also me putting it out there like I did with Lamar Jackson last year. And this is Justin Fields will challenge to be a top five quarterback again with the Falcons. And I put challenge because, like you said before, it's really hard. There's some Titans up there that you really got to be productive and consistent all year to pass. So I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying there's a chance if he goes to the Falcons because the weapons around him – Really good. Offensive lines, very much improving. They have a good running back to still hand the ball off to, so he doesn't have to run all the time. They're one receiver away in this draft from being from having two really good receivers and a really good young tight end. I think it's just a perfect setup for him, especially with the right coach. Um, and I just don't see it happening like that if he goes to the Steelers because those are kind of the two favorites. He'll be playing with Arthur Smith. We all know how that goes. And I – I think this is the best path for Justin Fields to come back to being, especially a top 10 quarterback, but challenging to be a top five. Because I think it's understated how mature he was this year with the team and fan base at at times didn't seem like they wanted him, but he still went out, did the best he could with a horrible offensive line and horrible play calling. And I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I mean, you know that I'm a Fields defender, a Fields believer. Um, uh, You know, I don't, I know, I know you said it's for funsies, you know, so I, I don't know about five, but again, not out of the question, you know, love the dual threat, love the upside, love the ceiling. And with those weapons, yeah. Let me ask you a question tangentially. Is it too galaxy brain for me to say if Fields went to the Falcons, I would be concerned about its effect on Bijan's uh, PPR upside? Bijan, maybe. I haven't seen Fields play with a running back that's that skill level and they haven't had to use him. So I don't know if he would still just tuck it and run or if he would look to Bijan if he's open, dip it off to him. I, that's just something that you just kind of have to speculate on and guess because mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think he's been in a situation where he's had that many weapons, that good of a running back. Because, uh, I mean, Roshan was fine, but besides that, Khalil Herbert's not really that type of guy. Neither is um, – I'm drawing on his name. You know I'm talking about the – Rosha? Form, Foreman. Dante Foreman. Foreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I I like to think he would, but I think it might – it would definitely cap it a little bit, especially in the end zone because he's – Justin Fields is one of the best running quarterbacks I've seen once he gets in open space. So, I think it would hurt it just a little bit, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of um, uh, still believing in the dream, uh, this time in 2025, people will be disappointed they gave up on Jahan Dotson. Um, mathematically, things are against Jahan Dotson. Uh, you know, the guys with first-round capital who, you know, have two years of this low a target share um, usually aren't going to produce well moving moving forward, right? Um, we certainly knew that there was touchdown cologne on him the first year, but we were optimistic that given, you know, uh, better quarterback play, more volume, that that he, he'd still be fine. I still think, given his first-round draft capital, skill set, and the optimism that comes with 
the regime change and hopefully a, a better quarterback. Although, again, I don't know, like some of these rookies might not pan out and it looks like they're going to get one of these rookies. But, you know, so I think Jahan Dotson's a really good bounce back candidate uh, and that by this time next year, uh, you know, the age difference between him and McLaurin will be even more important because McLaurin will be that much older, right? So I just think that that people are a little too out on Dotson right now um, and that he's a value and that I think next year people will say, yeah, you know, um, I'm disappointed that I didn't I didn't buy in on a Dotson bounce back. Yeah, it could happen. Um What's Curtis Samuel? I don't know if you know off the top of your head. Is Curtis Samuel supposed to be out and somewhere else next year? I think he's a free agent. Uh, so they might sign him back. Uh, yeah, the Cliff Kingsbury offense is pretty good for a guy like Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Uh, more short passes. But, you know, I think Dotson's got that in his in his, in his his repertoire, in his skill set, um, you know, to do short and intermediate drags and shit. But, um, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, but that's – long answer i think curtis samuel's a free agent yeah so i do have you know i i was big on Jahan dotson i had him ranked really high in his rookie class it's kind of backfired on me a little but there's a stat i saw from jacob gibbs posted on twitter i don't know if you've seen this uh it's over the past 10 seasons there have been nine instances of a receiver meeting these qualifications 24 or younger round one draft capital more than 350 routes run and a target per route run rate below 17 and Dotson's on there twice. He's on there with guys like Jalen Rager, Philip Dorsett, Laquan, this, Laquan Treadwell, and Quentin Johnson's on there too. So that stat right there, like it kind of shows that he doesn't demand targets the way I thought he could. Mm. But I also have seen him do that in college and in certain aspects. So I don't know if it's a mental thing. He's not vibing with the coaches, but I think I'm still optimistic. I still think he could turn it around at least where he's going now can still return some value. I don't think For he'll sure. be as high as I ever thought he would be, but I think it's worth at the current cost, it's worth finding out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um I think I think that might have been the tweet that put in my head the first round draft capital and the target. It probably was. Um but uh so apologies to Mr. Gibbs for uh not remembering that. Um <laughs> you know Also, there have been times where the quarterbacks he's had, like, um, what was it? I think it was when Carson Wentz was was there. Yeah. Like, Carson Wentz pretty much only had eyes for Terry McLaurin, right? That w- that could be a Carson Wentz thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be a knock on Dotson. Earlier yeah. and a few episodes ago, I kind of talked a little bit about, like, some folks had had seen some Dotson, like, lack of effort and and mental stuff, you know, so – as much as that's a bad thing, it's not a skills thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I would also say that, and and people don't understand that the year three breakout is still a thing with wide receivers and actually is probably even more so the rule for the, for the general population of wide receivers. It's just that those guys who break out in the third year – their breakout isn't the breakout of the guys who break out earlier, right? I think yeah. Dotson can, if I'm betting on an exception to that to, to that list of guys you 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 mentioned, it's it's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even maybe even Quentin Johnson too, if they start using him in better ways that's more fitted for for his skill set because we know what he is, we know what he's good at, and I think they need to figure that out with Dotson. And 
They also, I think it's understated, they had a horrible offensive line last year. Like oh, Sam yeah. Howell, some of that was his fault, and I haven't really watched a ton of tape on that, but I do think with being under pressure that much, he's looking for either Curtis Samuel Short or McLaurin and not really able to run through his reads. So that might be a factor also. It's going to be fun, or it will be interesting, just for kicks and giggles, if um, they draft May, keep Howell, draft Tez Walker and keep Diami Brown. They're basically just going to have like North Carolina, um, you know, Michael Carter might be able to be signed too. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. So here's my bonus in the, by this time in 2025, by this time in 2025, Jonathan Brooks will be a top seven dynasty running back. Um, the, the more I look into him, the more I hear people smarter than me talk about him, the more I hear about how the NFL is sold on him, the more I think about, despite the knee injury, he got good enough feedback from the NFL to say, yeah, come out after year three um, with fairly limited production because of a crowded depth chart the entire time he was there. That means to me he's got the goods, right? And that absent the ACL – I'd be more confident with him as my RB1 right now. So I envision a scenario where if things go well, he's in a situation where he may start slowly, be recovering, but he'll show enough next year, especially late in the season, right, that people will be starved to say, well, we've got Bijan, Brees, Gibbs, who are probably going to stay there, but... JT's getting a little older. He's been used, you know, he's got, you know, uh, tread's been taken off the tires there, so to speak, even though I don't like that analogy. Um, McCaffrey will be, what, 29, right, by that time, right? So, you know, is HN, maybe he puts up a good, so like, you know, calling him top seven, I don't know that that's hot takey. It's not meant to be hot takey. I, I think it's very possible. No, I could see it, and given the running back landscape, guys like Achan, who couldn't even play a full year, just had flashes and has already popped up in the top ten. James Cook is up there, so I think it could definitely happen, given the way things are looking at that position. Um, I mean, Etienne will be 26 by then, right? And, you know, I I know people think that my take on, uh, you know, Etienne being sub-elite is a, is a bad take, but like, that's my take on him. And I also know that if they don't pick up the fifth year option, he's now, you know, a second contract running back. Yeah, so, or he's well, whether or not they, you know what I'm saying? He's moving into his, that phase of his career. So, and, and that's not when you want to be buying that. kind. Of, so, so yeah, I, I, I think people are going to just, they're, they're starved for a young running back to do well. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to pay attention to guys like that who, don't have much on their contract and then are going to be probably wanting more money than teams want to pay for them because they've shown that they have that track record, but they're also an aging running back. Like we've seen it with guys like Josh Jacobs, who's a top five back mm-hmm. in the league, guys like that. So Bark, I, Barkley, Eckler. Yep. All ran I, into I, that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't really want to part of someone like that long-term. So his value is definitely going to drop at least for me. Um, yeah. I mentioned it earlier. I'm just going to talk about Luther burden. Okay. He's, he was my first ever Debbie pick I made. I love him. I watched a lot of their games just because of him. And as a sophomore, he had 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. on a Missouri wasn't great, but they weren't mm. bad. 
So I think he he was shined on that team, and he is the reason they had their success. He's if he's an early commit as a junior year and has another year where he puts up twelve to fourteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns. I think he's we're going to be talking about him like we are Marvin Harrison this year. I don't know the quarterback situation next year. Running backs are going to be more, but I think he's going to be a top three pick in Superflex in twenty twenty five. Yeah, when you think about the 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 quarterbacks, people are kind of down on them. Um, for 2025, uh, you know, uh, I have uh, 2025 wide receivers. There's a few good ones, but he's definitely um, number one in the class. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I could see it. I, I could see him being a top three rookie draft pick next year if he if he puts up a puts up a good year for sure. Yeah, um, people were a little worried uh, after a, a sort of somewhat disappointing uh, um, freshman season, but um, yeah. But yeah, you know, uh, definitely, uh, definitely bounce back. So, be good to watch him, Luke the Bird, folks. You know, yeah. kind of sounds like a movie character. Luke the Bird. Yeah, I, when someone was telling me I was researching this Debbie stuff, I said Luther Bird, and I was like, that's not a real person. Yeah, it's a nineteen seventies black exploitation film. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Street Pimp with uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Luther Bird. Oh, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. That does it. A little bit of a shorter episode uh, this week. A little bit of just looking into the future, not so much you know digging deep into into rookies like we did uh, last week. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and land the plane. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review um, <clears throat> on the uh, Going for Two Live podcast audio feed and follow because that's what you do now on Apple Podcasts. You don't subscribe anymore, so whatever it is, just do it. If you're watching here on the video side, please make sure you subscribe. And like and comment and bell and feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed. Time for plugs. Josh, where can we find you and your work? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Rotonaut, R O T O N A U T. Uh, Going to be doing some baseball drafts for starter one today. I'm already in over my head on it. So I'll be posting a little, about, little bit about that. Um, also, you're going to dive into rounds three through four and rookies more because doing some mocks, not as prepared as I had hoped to be for that. So I'm going to be doing that soon. Probably be tweeting a little bit about that. I'll update all my rankings and uh, tweet those as I do them. And you can find those at goingfor2.com as well, where I think me, Chu, Brian, and Jeff all have our rankings on there. So, All right. Uh, so a couple tidbits on that. Uh, on, on the Twitter one, um, apparently, uh, our, our overlord, Elon, who is transphobic, uh, accused, um, Steve, Stephen King. Anyway, he used the phrase dead naming that they dead named X Twitter, which I mean, it, yeah. he was we already, were, he was already, it was already like, you know, eminently punchable, but now like, you know, uh, and uh, baseball tidbit for you. Uh, this guy, I wish I remember the name, <clears throat> posted his, his top 10 preseason fantasy baseball prospects from like the last, like since 2018 or something like that, right? 2020 was the last time all I like that there was a list that all 10 names I knew who they are. It's really? been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I looked at the 2024 prospects and I'm like, who? Who are these people? What what is this? Is this Yeah, I'm I'm not big on baseball prospects. It's a lot more people to look at than rookies because you got international ball, you got 
minor leagues, you got college, you got people coming right out of high school. It's a lot. So the people that do that, you know, mad respect to them. I just read their work. They're smarter than me at that anyways. So prospects kind of go over my head too until they get the double AA, AAA. We had the one of the leagues that I left, we had a um it was a keeper league and also we had minor league keepers. So it was like you could keep a certain amount of major leaguers and then like two or three minor leaguers just to you know kind of have fun. Um, and the, the I, one of the one of the uh, teams that I abandoned, well, not abandoned, but I left the league had a Wander, Vlad, and uh, Tatis Jr. Yeah, and uh, right. yeah, two of those three are still in the league. I don't know if you Wander Franco is probably never going to play baseball again. He was soliciting a minor. Yeah, he was oh. dating like a 14-year-old girl. He found out. He kind of doubled down on it and it was Ooh. Yeah, so he's done. But it was that was still a that was gonna be a great team. But even still, you got two of the top ten players. So yeah. So whoever's running that team, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad <laughs> you're you're hopefully doing well and you didn't you didn't mess it up. Yeah. Um oof. Probably should have Googled yeah. Wander before we got out of here, huh? No, the main reason I'm excited <laughs> for baseball, honestly, is the Falcons let me down. I don't really care about the NBA. Mm. The Braves, man, they are so good. And they're the only team, I think, that could beat the Dodgers, who just have so much money to spend. It's crazy. So I, you got to at least be a Braves fan this year so they can beat the Dodgers. You know, uh, listen, I've been wanting a salary cap in baseball for the longest time. And now – to be fair, I've also wanted a salary floor in baseball all the time, too, because a lot of these teams, you know, when they tear it down, like, you know, they're spending as much on their entire team as, like, one team does on, like, their second-string first baseman, you know? Uh, and, and but, yeah, it's just, I, I, like, it's got to be hard, right, as a baseball fan to just watch, like, you know, these same one or two teams afford everybody, like, like it used to be with the with the with the Yankees, you know, in, in the in the '90s and stuff, you know. Like, it, how does that fun? It look if like I said, if my team that I rooted for wasn't the Braves and like the only team that could stand up to them, I would hate it even more because they're kind of getting weird with it. They're paying Otani seven hundred million dollars, but deferring like six hundred fifty million of that to like two thousand thirty. So they're not even really paying for it yet. And I, I, I just think someone's. Good. I don't. I'm okay with the salary cap part, but I think you have to – she should pay your players at least before, you know. That way you can't just say, I'll defer this till later and, you know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't understand the logistics to it. It needs to be more equal. Yeah. How about my brother's Mets? Are they doing all right? They – their owner caught too much shit. I think give them three or four years. I think they'll be fine. This year, I don't – I think they need to tear it down. They just don't want to. Okay. All right. Well, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FFChunky underscore uh, rankings and articles on goingfor2.com. Uh, it's off season, so I'll write more. Uh, I dropped a Xavier Worthy profile. Uh, just finished a Roman Wilson one that's going to get posted soon. Um, yeah, uh, and Dynasty rankings are there. Rookie rankings are there. We're going to do like probably a rankings episode with some GF2 guys here Uh Soon enough, uh, Jeff uh, Bossman is pushing out tweets with everybody's, you know, consensus rankings and all that jazz. Uh, and if you go to goingfor2.com, we got everything you need, including the Discord, bottom right, little purple thing. Click on it, Discord, hella channels, 
lots of talk, lots of trade discussions, all that jazz. And then, of course, obviously, we have a, basically a, a podcast pretty much every day or night of the week here on this YouTube channel. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go Braves. Okay. No Irish today? Uh, I'm, I'm not feeling too well today. Okay. Oh.